Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Market Bites. I'm Sam. And I'm Josh. And we're here to break down three of the hottest financial events that happened this week, so you can keep your finger on the pulse. Whether you're on your way to work, at the gym, or wherever and whenever you have the time to get updated. So, are you ready? Let's get into it. This podcast is for information and education purposes only and should not be taken as investment advice, a personal recommendation or an offer of or solicitation to buy or sell any financial instruments. This material has been prepared without taking into account any particular investment objectives or financial situation and has not been prepared in accordance with the legal and regulatory requirements to promote independent research. Past performance is not an indication of future results. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of The Market Bites. I'm Sam North, and today I'm joined by eToro's global market strategist, Ben Laidler. Ben, how are you doing? Yeah, good. I'm sort of the imposter this week, right? Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, yeah. it's great to have you here. Uh, Josh is, I believe, at the moment in Dubai on his way back for a wedding in the UK, a quick visit, passing visit in the UK. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of jealous of him being there right now. It, it, I don't know if you feel the same, Ben, but it feels the last three days, including today, it's got a little bit colder here in the UK. Yeah, just in time, right? End of summer, came early. <laughs> yeah, well, fingers crossed uh, we can have a good September, but we'll talk about seasonality in a moment. We'll also talk a little bit about China which has been in the news quite a lot this week. Uh, and then with payrolls coming up to to wrap up this week, we can also wrap up our podcast there. Sound all good to you? Yeah, great. Amazing. Cool. Well, look, with August drawing to a close, and, and actually we're, we're recording this, we're filming this today on the last day of August. Uh, and look, we've had a very, very strong first half of the year. Since then, things have taken a little bit of a dip. My first question, I guess, would be, why do you think that is? And the second question is on seasonality, which I just mentioned. You know, do you take this with a pinch of salt each year? Uh, and would, if we do get a bad September, would that worry you? Yeah, two tough questions. Right. So, um, you know, we've had a bit of a late month rally the last sort of four or five sessions. But, you know, we are on track to close August down, you know, a couple of percent for the S&P 500. And that would basically make this the worst month since February. So, you know, to answer the first question, why the August dip? Um, I think there are two things. One, I think it's partly technical. Uh, we have this record breaking sort of seven month rally, which you, you know, talked about stock volatility, you know, proxy by the VIX got, you know, very, very low, arguably too low. Uh, and, you know, this August seasonality is, is never good. Right. Um, you know, people go away on holiday, you know, vol- um, volumes fall, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's also, I think, you know, partly fundamental, right? The fundamentals did sort of change a little bit. We had, you know, a couple of big headwinds, um, which, you know, caused some indigestion. I mean, I guess the two one, the big ones with US 10-year bond yields sort of surging through 4.3%, which just pressures valuations down. Uh, and oil prices, you know, hitting $85, which, you know, sort of stokes these inflation worries. And then the third one, which I worry least about, but we're going to talk about in a minute, was the sort of China growth and debt concerns. So I think, you know, this this breather, which I'm calling it right, I don't think it was a sell off. I think it was a breather. I think it was natural. I think it was sort of overdue. I think it was very technically driven. And to the extent the fundamentals were pushing it, um, you know, we've seen oil prices back off. We see bond yields come down. 
Um, I think it was a sort of little bit of a sort of flash in the pan. Um, but you know, September, um, which you know starts tomorrow, as you say, typically the worst month of the year. Um, markets globally down over one percent on average. Not a single major global market, <laughs> um, you know, has historically gone up in you know September on average, which is you know pretty sobering. Um, Italy, Germany, FTSE 250, these sort of more cyclical assets, you know, tend to do uh, worse. Uh, that's the bad news. And the better news is, though, that I think there's a good chance this September may be better, partly because August was pretty bad, right? Yeah. I think we pulled some of that weak September seasonality, you know, into August because, you know, everybody knows August that, um, you know, September's bad. So people sort of, um, uh, you know, front run it a little bit. Um, and, you know, if we do see weakness in August, in September, I think it's probably an opportunity, right? I, I think the underlying fundamentals, which, you know, put the seasonality aside, right, is still the fundamentals that are driving markets. Um, you know, inflation's falling, interest rates are, you know, near their peak, earnings are beginning to sort of trough. I think those are the fundamentals we sort of need to be focusing on and they're still in place. And then finally, you know, remember, seasonality works both ways. August, September, normally pretty weak. But October, November, December, these are historically the best months of the year. So if you believe in that, you know, you should be you know, looking forward to those months for you know, a decent rebound as investors typically look ahead to the year ahead and, re and position for that. And I think this year that could be pretty strong. Right. What does 2024 look like? You know, rate cuts, double digit earnings growth. I mean, that's pretty positive stuff. I think investors are going to be looking at. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wonder if it's a little bit too early for us to mention the words Santa Rally, even when we look forward. There we go. Uh, I think we should have a ban on it, shouldn't we? On, our, on, our, on the webinar that we do for club members every Monday. Uh, maybe we can't say those words until, I don't know, end of December. <laughs> yeah, with any luck. <laughs> uh, our next subject today then is China, uh, who over the weekend, the weekend just gone, decided to reduce tax on stock trading by 50% in, in sort of an order to boost the market uh, and then reported cuts to interest rates on mortgages and deposits. A lot of headlines coming from them. Um, some think it's a non-story. Some people think it's a worry because you don't do these things when things are going well. Uh, and then you also have some people that think, you know what, this is great. This is going to be the spark we need for Chinese stocks. Where do you stand on this? Uh, how does it fit in with, with how you see China in the medium term regarding investment opportunities? Well, firstly, we should all care about China. Mm. It's the second biggest economy in the world. It's the biggest market for everything from you know luxury goods to cars to metals. Um, and the world's really sort of been relying on it this year for you know this reopening rebound to you know push the global economy. Um, you know, luckily the US has also been pretty strong, right? So we've had to rely China on China, you know, a little bit less. But you know, it's it's very important and it's been struggling. Um, you know, the, the global economic weakness has really hurt China's huge manufacturing sector. Uh, and its own consumers have, you know, kept their wallets closed and have been pretty slow to, you know, resume spending after, you know, after lockdown. But the economy is still going to grow something like 5% this year. That's going to be less than hoped, um, but it's still pretty good. Uh, and the government, as you say, is now sort of drip feeding some stimulus to make sure those growth numbers don't sort of deteriorate, you know, anymore. We're seeing an increase in government spending. We're seeing 
um, some more state bank lending. We're seeing lower interest rates. We're seeing some support to the property sector. Um, I think, and I think more will come. But I think crucially, the pace is going to be fairly gradual. Um, I don't think they're looking for significant stimulus. I think they just want to make sure that growth stays around five percent. They're not trying to, you know, do significantly more than that. Um, and, and you know, the other reason they don't want to overstimulate is they have a lot of debt, uh, and they don't particularly want to take on, you know, much more than that. Um, so I think China, you know, it's still going to grow five percent this year. That's not a bad number. Uh, what does this mean for the markets? Um, you know, it's really been a case of sort of dashed expectations sort of this year. The market's really round trip from this sort of fourth quarter bull market last year on all these reopening hopes to this sort of bear market reality check of sort of disappointment uh, this year. Um, you know, frankly, I quite like the contrarian sort of setup here. I think economic growth expectations have, you know, collapsed, they've troughed. And I think, you know, help is coming. It's not going to be as bad as maybe the bears think. Uh, I think investor sentiment is very, very depressed. You know, a lot of talk of, you know, the market being uninvestable, foreign investors being very, very, you know, underweight. Um, you know, that has a, every contrarian bone in my body sort of, you know, twitching. Um, and and valuations are low, right? This is a market on you know, a single digit price earnings ratio. So, you know, I, I, I like that setup. But, you know, it's definitely a one for the brave only, right? It's It's been a market where you consistently had disappointments over the last sort of six to nine months yeah yeah let us know in the chat if you're watching on youtube uh how you feel about china is it something that interests you how do you see it over the next few years be interested to know and if obviously if you're listening along on the podcast the link for the youtube is in the bio our final subject today to wrap it all up is on the latest jobs report out of the states we're just under three weeks away from the next FOMC meeting uh, and the chance of a hike was creeping up. Then it went down and it, it's fluctuating and it's going to continue to fluctuate. And Friday, of course, will probably move the needle as well. Um, how do you see this playing out? Uh, what else could swing that rate probability before that meeting? Um, yeah. I mean, just, just how are you seeing things at the moment? Yeah. So, so not to repeat myself, you know, inflation, the most important number in markets, yeah. right? Let's just keep repeating that. You know, it drives everything from what the Fed's going to do um, on interest rates to the economic outlook. Are we going to get a recession or not? To earnings, you know, are they troughing? Are they going to pick up? Um, you know, headline inflation in the US has collapsed from 9% to 3%. You know, underlying inflation, though, has been sort of a bit stickier. And the culprit uh, there has been this sort of red hot labor market. Uh, hence all the focus on, you know, the jobs report and, and you know, and the jolt survey and all these sort of labor market uh, dynamics. Now, you know, the hope is that we see this sort of gradual sort of Goldilocks, you know, scenario of this very tight labor market just easing enough to take the edge off these inflation pressures, but not easing too much to get us all worried about sort of recession and, and, and a hard landing. And the good news is that that, you know, that threading that needle seems to be exactly what is happening. You know, the number of US job openings have started to fall. Um, pressures on the labor market are sort of easing a little bit. And the hope is on that, um, uh, on the, the payrolls report on Friday, consensus is that we had see a third straight month of under 200,000 new jobs. So again, you know, that's a nice cool down, but it's not slowing, you know, it's not slowing too much. So it's in that sort of, you know, warm water zone that we're looking for. Um, in terms of, you know, what does this mean for interest rates? I mean, markets, as, as you alluded to, are in sort of wait and see mode. Um, 
we're expecting no hike at the September 20th meeting from the Fed. But markets are a bit undecided about whether we have one coming sort of later in the year where it's, you know, it's a much you know tighter call. But I, I think the broader picture, the Fed has already hiked interest rates by five percentage points. This has been one of the biggest, fastest hiking cycles, you know, in recent history. Whether we have one more small, you know, 25 basis point hike to go or not, I frankly think is irrelevant. You know, we're, we're heavily into restricted territory here. I think the much bigger question is how long do we stay up at these, you know, pretty high levels before the Fed has, you know, comfort to start cutting interest rates? Because it's those interest rate cuts that I think are the biggest fundamental driver of, um, you know, extending this the, this sort of bull market. And what they need to see to do that is these core inflation numbers falling. So right now we're at 4.7%. Their target is two. They don't need to get to two. But I think the story for the next so three, four months is that 4.7 number just sort of drifting down and beginning to give the Fed comfort that they can start cutting you know, interest rates. And that's where the weaker jobs market comes in. That's where the weaker housing market comes in. Those are the things we're, we're looking at because everything else is already there, right? Manufacturing's already weak. Mm. Um, you know, producer prices are already weak. Supply chain's already adjusted. It's, it's, those, it's those lagging housing and jobs market indicators that we we're really watching here and, and that's why we talk so much about the payroll support yeah bring it on uh next fmc meeting the 20th of september that's a wednesday uh for those in the uk that'll be 7 p.m we'll hear the announcement 7 30 the press conference which is always pretty interesting payrolls uh tomorrow on friday for those that are listening today next week you've got us and canadian labor day to kick off things so relatively quiet monday uh, Eurozone sentiment, you've got RBA policy announcement as well on the 5th. Uh, you've got the Bank of Canada policy announcement on the 6th. Worth keeping an eye on that. US ISM services PMI. got some Chinese trade balance data and CPI and PPI numbers from August. Also at the back end of the week before the G20 summit. So there's a few more things for us to, to focus on next week. But Ben, uh, as usual for stepping in, you've done a stellar job. Uh, Josh will be quaking in his boots, sunbathing in Dubai, I'm sure. Thank you very much for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. Trade safe, everyone. Take care, guys. You have been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, use eToro.com.